Hi, this is presenter Christodinopoli, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R each Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU. I'm Maddie Miller and I've got Rachel here behind the desk helping me out today Uh, and I'm filling in for Crystal over this beautiful summer break. As always, I'm speaking to you from the land of the Woiwurrung Wurundjeri people here in Brunswick in this beautiful land on this beautiful day, this beautiful weather. I hope you are making the most of it out there. And today we're having some really great conversations with two incredible young Indigenous women who are absolutely smashing their respective fields. We have Tully Ma, an aerospace engineering student freshly returned from NASA, and future Olympian Marissa Williamson-Polman chatting to us about her road to Paris. That is some black excellence if I have ever heard it. Triple R. We are speaking to Marissa Williamson-Polman, a Naranjeri woman and the first ever Aboriginal woman to qualify for the Olympics in the sport of boxing. Hi, Ritz. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, sis. How are you today? Yeah, I'm going great. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us. I guess I wanted to have a chat with you because I know a little bit about your story and it's really a story that's still being written and... It is so far an incredible one and I can tell it's going to continue being incredible. What I guess I first up wanted to know was how did you get into boxing? So I got into boxing, I was um, was about 16. I was playing AFL um, at a pretty high level and I met Chantel Thompson who was a BJJ and wrestling world champion. And I guess just hearing her story and being inspired, I wanted to get into combat and not knowing much about combat. I started boxing in a gym for Aboriginal youth in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And that gym was really full. And then that kind of stuck and started having fights and then gave up my footy and went hammer and tongs at the boxing. Yeah, hammer and tongs, you surely did go into boxing. And I guess what's great, and maybe a lot of listeners won't know, is that there's a great tradition of boxing in the Aboriginal community from sort of tent boxing days with Lionel Rose and Doug Nichols and Tony Mundine. Is that something that you draw from that that sort of great tradition of boxing in the Aboriginal community? Yeah, for sure. And um, the most of our Aboriginal Olympians come from the sport of boxing as well. So um and training under the colony boxing club is kind of special for me because the oldest boxing gym in Australia and um, there's a ring in there that Lionel Rose um, did six rounds with Johnny Thumbshon in. So it's um, quite a rich history and, yeah, I, I think about it all the time. It's a pretty incredible legacy. I think the tent boxing sort of allowed a lot of social movement for Aboriginal men and for them to be making a real wage and also to see many parts of the country that they wouldn't have had access to being forced on to missions with your boxing you've gone 
and seen the world. What sort of has been some of the highlights of your career so far? Oh, so many. You know, I've been to eight countries this year, and we've also seen so much of Australia. And I think being over on Mojak Nungabuja country, like, I, yeah, it was just amazing having a mob there that I knew coming along and, um, it was just so special, but also being like I've been to India and that was amazing. And um, the social norms are a lot different. So I made friends with this woman by the name of Adi, and she she never been on a train before and never seen the Taj Mahal. And so I got to do that with her, and I took her on a train and we saw that. And um, and then obviously going to the Solomon Islands, which is like a place that not many people probably will ever go to. Mm. And um you know, qualifying for the Olympics there. And I felt really at home on the islands. Like, the islands are our kin, and, like, there was obvious um, similarities between um, mob there and mob here. But, yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots more experiences in the years to come. Oh, yeah, on the road to Paris. I mean, that moment in the Solomon Islands, side note, I guess, I worked in Micronesia and um, with some of the mob out there and having conversations about the similarities between our cultures and their cultures. And they said to me, we don't know who came first, whether it was us or you, but we are, we're the same, you know, we follow the same stories. So I think that Indigenous connection is so powerful. So how excellent to have been in the Solomon Islands when you qualified, what was that feeling like what do you know that sort of lead up to qualifying for the olympics yeah it's been a massive year and i've had 10 fights mostly international um to go to to qualify for the olympics you have to go through three qualifying events you have to be the best in the state and have to be the best at the nationals so um had a a really good performance at the nationals i bet someone who in the final who's been undefeated in australia for over 10 years and my silver at the world championships this year so to win against her was a massive statement, and then that sort of eventuated into like going being at the Solomon Islands two weeks before my competition. I um, dislocated my knee pretty mm-hmm. severely, so going into that was really mentally challenging, and also just overcoming some just politics as as you do. And but we finally got that medical clearance that I needed, and went over there and just fought my heart out and got that qualification. That's amazing. I mean, that's just. I can't even I can't even imagine getting off the couch after twisting my knee, let alone going and qualifying for the Olympics. It's incredible. Do you see yourself as forming a a, a role model um, type of role within the community, or is this something that you know you're just really focusing on what you're doing? It's it's natural for me to want to support young people in the community, like, and you know. Without the Aboriginal women in my life, that took me in as a volunteer and mm. gave me a home and um, shared with me cultural knowledge and um, helped me be the woman that I am today. Um, like, it doesn't seem just to give the same sort of support to young ones. So, yeah. you know, it just seems like, but it seems so natural to me anyway. Yep. So, lift as you climb. Yeah bring the little bring the young ones along and being in foster care I guess that sort of kinship caring to be able to be with mob even if it you know wasn't your own direct family I mean is that something that 
you know, those relationships, things that you carry with you today? Yeah, like all my cultural knowledge is white and dirty water and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm so like, I'm so grateful for the strong black matriarchs here and in the um, medical terms, Stacey Piper, Sue Ann Hunter, you know, all those sort of women um, that kind of took me along the way. That is a really strong matriarchy to have backing you up there. That is incredible. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What do you have to say to young people who are wanting to get into sort of sports at this at this level? What is the sort of things that you tell them? God, it's a it's a <laughs> it's a day by day thing. I think if you think too far ahead, then you get kind of caught up on the details. And I never really had a plan for anything. Mm-hmm. Like never, even out of boxing, I never had a plan to study. I never had a plan to work. Like I just let manifest on their own by just showing up every day and yep. I think at the very least you owe yourself to show up every day every day for yourself and you never know what will come from that um, and obviously five years of boxing in that time five titles and now qualifying for the Olympics so it'll all happen on its own just keep putting in the work show up every day be accountable goes to show how powerful that really can be yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess this is a bit of a silly question, just saying you're showing up every day, but what's what's next? How can people um, follow you or support you in your journey to Paris? Follow me on Instagram, just for a poll, follow the journey. Obviously, I'm community bred and raised, and an auntie girl giving me a $5 donation means a change to me as me getting a, a massive, massive sponsorship as well. So just keeping that open and... And, um, yeah, I'm obviously just so grateful to have any level of support from Mob and putting my people on the map in any capacity is, is what makes it all worth it in the end, I guess. Yeah, I think we will. I will definitely be following your journey and supporting you how I can. And I'm so proud of you and everything that you've achieved and, you know, everything that you've done to date. And I think actually... The best thing is is the showing up. It's not really the achievements. It's that consistency Mm. and it's that determination that you show that is really the thing that is so impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Riss, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day and that, you know, this path to Paris is (laughs) injury-free and Uh uh, uh, all the best uh, on your journey. Thank you, Sissy. Nakin. Nakin, thanks for coming on. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. We have the incredible and exciting Tully Ma, who has just returned from Pasadena, California, on an internship with NASA. Hi, Tully. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Maddie. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I am super stoked, and I feel like I've stolen this interview from Crystal, who is our resident star lady. Uh, I'm an archaeologist by profession. Um, but, oh, so I'm looking at the ground, you mob are looking at the stars, but our stories are the same, that's what I say. Oh, I love it. I love that. <laughs> so I guess, what were you doing over there? What were you doing over at NASA? 
Yeah, well, I was completing a, an internship at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is one of the NASA centers in California. And I went over there as a part of the program titled uh, National Indigenous Space Academy, which is a program that was founded by Professor Chris Lawrence from Monash's Faculty of IT to promote Indigenous participation in STEM. That is very exciting. So what were you, what were you working on? What was the sort of project they had you jump on? Yeah, so I was working in the Origins and Habitability Laboratory, which was a part of the Planetary Science Division, um, and I was looking at hydrothermal vents, which occur on the ocean floor, and um, yeah, looking at origins of life, that's where we believe origins of life to have started, so transferring that knowledge to interplanetary bodies. Wow, that's pretty amazing. (laughs) Super exciting stuff. How long were you over there for? It was a 10-week internship, but I was there for three months. My gosh, that is a decent amount of time. That is really Very exciting. Much. Congratulations. Thank you. It was, it was a truly incredible experience, a really, really unique opportunity. And so you were amongst the first cohort of Indigenous students who were undertaking this internship. Yep. How important was that cohort for this program? Oh, absolutely integral. Uh, I think if I had done this program... By myself, it would have been a very different experience. It was really awesome to even just be introduced to, you know, four other Indigenous Australians uh, in the field of STEM who are equally as ambitious and passionate. And even just that and having, you know, a piece of mob away from, yeah. from obviously, Australia was, was truly, truly special and uh, helped keep, you know, moods high, energy levels high. Yeah, my friend Zena Cumston, who is an absolute plant nerd, she always says Aboriginal people are like uh, Aboriginal plants. So our, our people are like our plants in that we grow better together. So I think that sort of cohort is key. That's It's good to hear that that was a, a support while you were doing this work. So is this a program that will continue or is this sort of a one-off no, it's a program that will continue. So we were funded by uh, the Australian Space Agency and I believe, well, the applications have already come out for next year and I think they might have already closed, unfortunately. That's but, okay. yeah, it's a program that uh, continue for years into the future, hopefully, continuing to send hope, each year five Indigenous Australians to JPL um, to, you know, encourage their, you know, and pursue their careers in STEM, which is truly an outstanding program and an outstanding initiative. Why is it important to you that MOB continue careers in STEM? Yeah, well, I guess it's having, it's, it's well researched that uh, diversity is really important for driving innovation. And I think particularly Aboriginal Australians have a lot to bring to this field, but traditionally we face a lot of barriers in entering this field. So I think it's really important that there are these initiatives and places where you can promote, you know, Aboriginal community to participate. And for me, I mean, I've always been passionate about STEM and I'm so grateful that an opportunity like this has existed to actually just help propel my career. And what drove you into this field? What made you interested in, you know, aerospace engineering? <laughs> yeah, well, I've always, I've always been interested in the vast mysteries of space. <laughs> there's, there's so much to be solved and there's so many unknowns. And that alongside a passion for aviation, I grew up around aircraft and have long been interested in flying and uh, on top of that, loving problem solving and I've always quite enjoyed maths, which um, is controversial. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like these things combined really just made a career in STEM. Uh, my background is in science, but I'm currently doing my master's in mechanical engineering at the University of Melbourne. So, mm-hmm. 
having having both engineering and science in my background and doing a career that's intersecting these two fields as well as Indigenous knowledge is something that's just hugely inspirational to me. Yeah, I mean, that's how our ancestors did it, right? Like, it wasn't just about knowing one thing and being the best at it. It was about bringing together all these different things. It's about all these observations of country over time and having that data set that's you know tens of thousands of years old like what other science has that big data set you know exactly and you know that being said aboriginal communities and aboriginal people bring these unique skills and you know their unique knowledges to this field and i think it's really important to have that section of indigenous knowledge with the field of science and engineering when you were at nasa did you see that there was any interest in indigenous knowledge is this something that you're sort of seeing that these sorts of big agencies are listening to or is it sort of, you know, more standard Western knowledge? I would definitely say it's on the side of Western knowledge. But while I was there, there was actually a um, Native American group, like an Indigenous American group, completely took us under their wing and Mm. really nurtured us. Um, And they're definitely promoting that inclusion of Indigenous knowledges into um, STEM research. And it was really really incredible to actually be involved with them and to have them, you know, we, we, we did culture sharing activities, we got to compare a lot of things, and it was really, really special to even just have this Indigenous community away from Australia understand our our struggles and what we have to go through to get to where we want to be. And it was really, really special having the other people in my cohort and then also Indigenous people from around the world. Yeah, I think so key, isn't it, is having camaraderie, having somebody to share your experience, but also having that intergenerational and intercultural learnings. I mean, that just sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, it was. It was was truly awesome. So what's next? Like, what is your aspirations with with aerospace engineering? Where's your research (laughs) taking you? Yeah, um, it definitely changed after my experience at JPL. I've been exposed to so many new pathways and career opportunities and, um, you know, educational pathways that I just never would have previously considered. So at the moment, I'm planning to continue my master's at the University of Melbourne and finish it. And then after that, I actually want to pursue a PhD looking more closely at this intersection between, you know, engineering, specifically aerospace engineering, as well as um, science and also Indigenous knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of our creation stories, uh, you know, speak to where our creative beings have come from. And it would be really interesting to sort of look deeper into where that knowledge stems from, because our stories are always, you know, you might read them in a children's book, but you know that there's the knowledge behind that is so deep and rich and wonderful that, you know, I'm sure that there are so many tangents and stories and valleys to follow to follow in that. So that's such a exciting and emerging field of, of research that you are looking at entering. I yeah, guess, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no pressure, you know, <laughs> no, no pressure. At all. No pressure. Yeah, no. <laughs> It'll be great. I think there's a lot to learn as well from um, like the storytelling of Indigenous mm. people as well and using that as science communication. And that as well is a really important component for me and definitely something I want to incorporate as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think stories are key. Stories is what drives our, our world, it's what keeps us all ticking and what keeps us coming back and. You know, science is not above stories, that's for sure. Science is stories. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, I'm thinking of the kids, you know, sitting there hearing this interview on the radio and those little black kids that are thinking about, you know, they love maths. And I think sometimes it's not cool to love maths and that kind of gets not beaten out of you, but, you know, you might get a bit shame about loving maths. What do you have to say to those kids? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say I, I face the same experience and I, I feel the same pressure. But for me, it's about pursuing your interests and knowing yourself and knowing that if, if you enjoy problem solving, maybe you don't even enjoy math classes, but you know that you enjoy problem solving, that there is so much more beyond the classroom for you. There are so many more opportunities and you can have a career in you can have a career in STEM, you can be an engineer, you can be a scientist, all of these things, like there are pathways that exist exactly for you to pursue those things. And so hopefully you never let the pressure of what society tells you you can and can't do actually determine what you will do in the future. So what I'm hearing is maths is cool and it'll take you to space. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Tally's. Um, so great to talk to you. And I feel like I really have snaked this interview from Crystal, so maybe we'll have to have you back on when Crystal's around because you guys can nerd out over cool space stuff. <laughs> um, but thanks so much and really excited to see where your career goes and, yeah, to keep tabs on you. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. Loved being on. No worries. Have a great Sunday. Triple R. We've had some excellent chats today on Indigenuity. We've had the brilliant Talima just back from NASA, who is a Indigenous master's student studying aerospace engineering at the University of Melbourne. Before that, we had future Olympian, Narendra woman, Marissa Williamson-Pullman, and she's the first ever Aboriginal woman to qualify for Olympics in the sport of boxing. Uh, so two absolute powerhouses in their fields. I've had a great time having a chat with you and chat with our guests, Tully and Marissa. Uh, Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Indigenuity, a weekly radio show hosting conversations with Indigenous knowledge holders showcasing all forms of Indigenous ingenuity. Indigenuity is broadcast live on Triple R every Sunday afternoon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website or Twitter at IndigenuityAU.